tell you what a glorious weekend we're having, even in spite of the rain. Yesterday we had Brandon's wonderful ordination. Over a hundred folks gathered here from St. Peter's, from St. Mark's and Jonesboro, and clergy and guests from across the country. And we had a wonderful preacher yesterday that made it extra hard for me to do this today. And that was followed by a festive return of our beloved Oktoberfest tradition. And it's even the eve of Halloween, a favorite of many of our parishioners, and I'm looking at you, Claire Lissardo and Mark Lamb. It's a time of great joy at St. Peter's. And you know what else is a cause for great joy? Stewardship. I'll wait for applause. Our fall pledge drive, as you heard, starts this week. And woohoo! <laughs> what, you don't find joy in our annual pledge drive? As hard as we try? So maybe we need to turn to our little friend Zacchaeus in today's gospel to catch a glimpse of the joy of giving and maybe its rewards. As you know, Zacchaeus is a favorite kid's Bible story. Our child care room has several books that include this favorite story. And it's easy to understand why. I mean, it's got all the parts. First, Zacchaeus is, as they say in the scripture, short in stature. And I think that makes him extra relatable to kids who spend their days looking up at us adults. Zacchaeus is most appealing to kids, I think, because of the energy that he shows. He's constantly on the go. This morning, he runs ahead of the crowd. He climbs a tree. And, and what's more kid appealing than that, climbing a tree? How many of our own kids have almost broke their arms or legs hanging from the crabapple tree in the courtyard? When Jesus sees him, Zacchaeus climbs down, rushes down, and he gets the news that Jesus is staying at his house, a sleepover. Yet again, a favorite of the under-15 set. You know something, as you know, people often complain about the younger generations, and probably have for centuries. You know, today we hear complaints about millennials or Gen Z or, or whatever kids today are called. It's quite common for people to rag on younger generations. You know, they grumble about Zacchaeus too, which probably makes him even more likable to kids who hear the story because they've been there. They've been grumbled about. But here's the thing. Unlike them, Zacchaeus isn't a kid. He's an adult. And we're told that folks grumble about him because he's a tax collector. And no, not just a tax collector, but a chief tax collector. And he's rich. The tax collector takes tolls due to Rome from the people. And they often keep a little bit of it for themselves. Hence the rich part, or that's what everyone thinks. Now, I, I know it's hard for us to ever think about a person in power, like, like a politician or political appointee, ever keeping any of our hard-earned tax dollars. See, that never happened, right? But the folks of Jesus' time believed that was pretty much the norm, the standard. The assumption is, by them, that Zacchaeus had become rich by his greed and dishonesty, stealing from his own community. Well, he is rich, and he is powerful, which makes his climbing that sycamore tree all the more remarkable. See, rich and powerful people, in my experience, like to take, them, like to take themselves seriously. And here's this rich and powerful man, the chief tax collector, willing to climb a tree just to see Jesus. I imagine our own attorney general or secretary of state climbing a tree, and it just ain't going to happen. 
Zacchaeus is willing to humble himself by doing an undignified, even a childish thing, climbing a tree, because of his desire to change and become worthy. He welcomes Jesus into his heart and his house. We're told that Jesus invites himself for a sleepover, and Zacchaeus was, in our version, happy to welcome him. The King James Version uses different language for happy. It says, and Zacchaeus received him joyfully, full of joy. Joy is the appropriate response to God's invitation. Jesus invites himself, invites him down from the tree, and Zacchaeus is joyful. But why? Where is his source of joy? Now, apart from the news of this divine unexpected guest, which, as you, you have to admit, is a lot, but I wonder if there's not more. The more isn't found from his fellow townsmen of Jericho. Now, as I mentioned, we're told that the crowd grumbles when Jesus reaches out to him, saying, Jesus has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. The cause of Zacchaeus' joy, I think, is on the way you read the next part of the story. Our translation says, Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Which sounds like a pretty standard repent and mend his way kind of story. But would that elicit a joyful response? A promise for future giving? If so, should we call our pledge cards, which you'll, as you heard you'll receive this week, should we call them joy cards? Since the giving promise you make will surely elicit joy, right? If that's the case. Now, I actually think Zacchaeus' joy comes from a different reason for his giving. Again, citing the King James Version of translation of, of this scripture, and as we all know, the King James Version is the actual English that Jesus spoke, so. <laughs> this version approaches this verse differently. It suggests that Zacchaeus is already doing those things when he meets Jesus. It says, And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. See, in this, in this reading, Zacchaeus isn't talking about what he will do, but what he's already been doing. And it turns out this this idea is of Zacchaeus simply continuing to do his good work. And perhaps this is the reason that Jesus recognizes Zacchaeus up there in the tree and calls him down and invites himself to stay at the man's house. Then Jesus announces, today salvation has come to this house. We and probably all of the crowd in Jericho might feel that Zacchaeus is saved because he willingly gives his riches to the poor what does Jesus actually say? He starts off, today salvation has come to this house. But then he goes on, because he too is a son of Abraham. Jesus says Zacchaeus and all his household are saved simply by being the people of God's covenant with Abraham. Zacchaeus is saved because of his faith, not because of his works. And we know this is the nature of salvation as hard as it is to try to remember. Salvation is not based on works, but on faith. But then why do any good works? 
Why pledge any of our time, our talent, our treasure? I think we can learn from Zacchaeus here too. What if Zacchaeus' good works are the result of his faith? And if his joy, his delight comes in following God's commandments, put another way, in doing the right thing? Maybe Jesus sees that joy, that delight, that faithfulness, and invites himself over for a divine sleepover. Now, who are we in this story? Are we Zacchaeus? Are we quietly giving of our treasure and our heart, knowing that we'll be seen by Jesus, ready to climb a tree to do so, even if the crowd grumbles or ignores us? Or maybe we're the crowd, ignorant of those in our community around us whose faith may be deep but unrecognizable or unseen. Do we gripe and complain about them because of their power and riches or maybe just the opposite? We gripe and complain because of their powerlessness and their poverty. Do they make us uncomfortable? And isn't that a visceral kind of grumbling in its own way? The reading ends with a summary of Jesus' mission. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. But who's lost here? Zacchaeus? The crowd? Us? Does it matter? You see, Jesus will see us however we are. And I personally take comfort in this seeking out and saving the lost. Because there are more times than not that I feel a little lost. And it's comforting to know that he is seeking me out. In yesterday's ordination, I was honored to be called to proclaim the gospel. Although I must admit, I wasn't prepared for the gulp of incense I took in just before reading it. (laughs) Not my most forceful proclamation as I avoided the need to cough or choke. I guess that will be more of an occupational hazard here as we welcome Brandon Brandon and his ways into our practices here at St. Peter's. He's been known to ask, if there's no incense, is it really church? (laughs) Anyway, the gospel I read was from John, the Good Shepherd. It too speaks of Jesus' relentless search for us. Jesus says, I am the Good Shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. See, Jesus is always seeking us out. Jesus is always wanting to be in relationship with us. And as I said earlier, that's incredibly comforting, incredibly reassuring. As I was doing the research on this, I found a sermon preached in 2016 by a woman named Susan Butterworth. She's a Boston-based writer and teacher and a minister. And she ended her sermon with a prayer that she wrote. And I think it's a clear summation of what's happening when we're seen by Christ and what we're called to do as a result. It goes like this. Gracious God, grant that we may see and be seen by our Savior and brother Christ. Grant that we may respond with joy to the good news, that we may be generous not only with our wallets, but with our hearts. Grant us freedom from making assumptions about others. Grant that we may see our neighbors as Christ sees them and open our hearts to the faith and generosity of those we may not like or trust. Gracious God, grant me the understanding that I may live. Amen.